Let's get this right first, though. Who's the blonde girl? What's Eowyn. her name? Eowyn. Eowyn. And then who's Liv Taylor? Arwyn. Liv Arwyn. Tyler also. Liv Tyler. <laughs> <And> Liv Taylor. <laughs> confusing, confusing in reality and in the film. Yeah, Liv Taylor's not um, in it. Liv Tyler is. Yeah, I actually Liv not, Schreiber. I Liv Schreiber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Liv Schreiber and Vigo. Liv Schreiber. <laughs> Matt's wet dream. In a world preoccupied with professionalism, do you already think you know what a good podcast is? That's bullshit. That's not how the world works. Have you even considered any alternatives? What about uninformed hosts? Only the last watch was where I understood what her name actually was. Unwarranted and potentially liable accusations. Tom Cruise, he's just like sidekick Brad Pitt. Audio issues. Uh, by the way, how do we record? Irrelevant tangents. If we go like to a girl's house and then there's like Hi. friends. I'll stop you there, mate. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a section we can have in. Didn't think you had. So you've never heard the semi-professionals. I did not enjoy one fucking single bit of it. You don't have any listeners. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Further little Hobbit says, they stole it from us. What did they steal? My podcast! Very good. Very good. Look, I don't know. Thank you very much, Luke, for your second introduction in our in part two of our Lord of the Rings um, podcast trilogy. Um, today we're talking about Two Towers, the second one that came out a year later than the original one, I think. Right, let me get the log line up for this second one here. <clears throat> While Frodo and Sam edge closer to Mordor... Mordor, with the help of the shifty golem, uh, the divided fellowship makes a stand against Saruman's new ally, Saruman and his hordes in Isengard. Right, so this movie came out in, I think, 2002, is it? It sure is. Um, First impressions, cinemas again for everybody? No, not cinema for this one. I don't remember the first viewing of this, unlike Fellowship, where I distinctly remember an American cinema full of applause. I don't remember first time Two Towers. This is it's probably one that's I, I half watched the first time, I reckon, where I was young, and then gradually like started to like it and watch all of it. But yeah, I can't pinpoint a first for me. Mm. Yeah. Luke? Uh, yeah, definitely saw this in the cinema. <clears throat> um, 
Although I don't, I don't remember the experience vividly. The the only one out of the three that I do remember vividly is Return of the King. I do remember that, but it was just like at, by this time, even even by the second film, it was like a pilgrimage for me, and I think probably my brother was involved this year, but definitely me and my dad anyway. I was already fully into it, so this was just just the next chapter, really. Hmm. Excellent. Uh, Jacko, yeah, same, same for Luke, really. Um, same again with my granddad and my cousin. <clears throat> again, um, second, <laughs> second outing to the Cine World in Solihull. Um, did you again do do home? Is that the back door? Nabbed another uh, projector, did you? Yeah, we'd actually stole the whole of the picker mix. <laughs> We kept going back, we pretended we were part of other films and just kept going back to mm. take a little bit more after each film. Mm. Um, but yeah, same as the uh, pilgrimage to um, Sydney World, watched with my cousin and my granddad. Um, I don't think I was, I was scared this time. Um, You'd grown up a whole year. I'd grown up a little bit more. Um, but yeah. We'll, Nick, what about you? We'll, we'll digress. Um, so I was thinking today, I think I actually might have seen this first. <laughs> I might have seen this before Fellowship. Uh, um, I don't know mistake. why. Maybe, m no, maybe like a sleepover at some some friend's house or some sort. And we watched the second one instead of the first one. I, I'm this. The beginning of all of this is really fuzzy for me. Mm. I don't remember. I do know that I, um, this is the one that, sticks in my mind the most out of all three mm -hmm. um upon re-watching i'm not 100 percent sure why exactly um Oof. just because there's there i mean there no no i i very much enjoy it still but like i think especially compared to the third one maybe like there's not that much that actually happens uh in this one there's a lot of there's a lot of traveling i um love the like the battle scene, I think in the the last forty five minutes. That's that's for me is is like what Lord of the Rings really was uh, as a kid. Yeah. That that battle scene, that one specific battle scene. Yeah, that's yeah. what st sticks out for me is that battle, mm. and obviously the Legolas bit where he's on the shield. Was mm. yeah, everything when I was a boy going down those stairs. The the guy that um, loses control with his arrow. And mm. like the shaky old guy and gets the guy right in the face. Um, yeah, those are, those are very vivid memories, more so than the third movie for me. I yeah, think. I said to, um, I was just briefly spoke to Nick about it earlier, but I said, um, uh, uh, I'm a bit conflicted with this film, actually, because we said last week, or me and Nick have said before, actually, that this I thought was my favorite um, but after rewatching it, I feel like my fondness for Two Towers actually comes from the PlayStation 2 game rather than the film. Um, and I well, think that probably, yeah, well, I think that ties in with the battle scene mm. um, and the action action part of uh, Two Towers rather than so, so you some extended plot. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've gone back on my word. Unfortunately, <clears throat> all right. Mm. I've got a lot, a, lot, of you. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of quotes. Trixie Hobbitses. Trixie. 
I think though that you're like Nick was saying the memories from it. I think this is probably the most memorable out of the three. Like if you think about mm. the trilogy, the two things that come out to me, which is um, also sort of reflects the time of when it came out is the conquering of like Gollum being brought to life. I think was yeah. the biggest thing. It was like, everyone wanted to see what this new like breakthrough in CG was and kind of melded with the human performance. So I think that was one thing. And obviously the mm. battle of Helm's deep is like, so the most epic thing ever. And like the, I mean, one, one of the most tense battle scenes I can remember if nothing else, if not like the action, but the, the, the tension of it was, I think, a, yeah. a sort of a revelation in a way. Yeah. The, the second half is kind of built towards that final battle, right? Second half of the film. So everything gears towards mm. that, um, that battle. And I think I agree with you that the thing that I remember the most is the battle. Mm. Um, and there's actually a lot that I'd forgotten um, and probably for good reason. Uh, in this film, like like most of the bits with Treebeard. Oh, shit, Jack! Um, I just remembered you. Uh, uh, you should have you should have changed your costume. You should have actually put on flip flops so that you could flippity floppity <laughs> all over <laughs> this movie. <laughs> oh no, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not. I don't dislike nice. it at all. It's just not as. Last week, and I was like, you know, I was like, fuck yeah, this is my favorite one. Uh, and you said the same. And now I actually have rewatched it. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's not. I can hear him slapping around the pool, just that that <laughs> wet pool surface. Trying to get trying to get that sunbed six a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Jack, what were you saying with the end? Is it ent or ents? Ent, ent, ents, ents. It would, I'd, you know, I had completely forgotten about the whole tree beard stuff. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know why. I actually thought for some reason it was in Return of the King. I thought they had more uh, to do with Return of the King, but I was very wrong. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about it all. Uh, and you, in, comparison, in comparison to Gollum and how they'd, they'd solved the whole motion capture thing, some of the end stuff looks fucking terrible. <laughs> so I, I mean, I think it's. I mainly think it looks charming. Um, I think the tree beard, the main end. Um, he he's actually. I, I like the way he looks. I like that it kind of. It feels like they're sitting on a little, like, mechanic machine when they're being carried through the forest. Like I don't. I don't mind that. The thing I really don't like about the end is later when they have their, what's it called, end moor. The uh, is that what it's called, Luke? Well, the the meeting. The meeting. The meeting of the ants. Mm. Yeah. Um, the design of some of the other many, many some of the other ants. Oh, they're are, a bit hokey, aren't they? Yeah, like they have like these big noses and mm. I don't know, it, it's um I think I think they're trying to make um Treebeard the most humany looking one and friendliest. <laughs> and the other one's so far away from what you could consider a friendly face, maybe. Yeah. So the story goes like oh, Peter Jackson was talking about the design of them, and he said that was the one thing that he was fearing the most out from doing it. And he said back in I think ninety eight or ninety seven when they were first developing it, he was like, right, we've got to have a crack at Treebeard because in the Ralph 
Bakshi, I think his name is, the guy who did the animation, the cartoon first, they looked apparently really bad. And he was like, how are we going to solve this? And the guy who did the first sketch conquered Treebeard. So he was like, that's perfect. Like, did it in one. We'll take that. So I think maybe not enough time was given to the design of the others when first thinking about the conception of bringing them to life. And I think that one design for Treebeard may have been what they ran with for a good while until they were like, oh, we need to do this, this meeting thing. Mm. Which is it, definitely a lack of different it's ideas to, on the rest of them. It, yeah, right. Mm. If, your stru- that- if your first structure is not that great, then it's not much to build on. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's just that one close-up, I think, that I remember, um, which is um, when, is it when they've decided that they're not orcs, that Merry and Pippin aren't orcs or something, and you've got Treebeard, and then uh, behind him, he's got like three others or something, and then they have their own like small cutaways during that meeting, and I think hmm. that's when they look, it's like their their facial close-ups it looks mm. really weird but i think when they actually go into isengard uh and when they're they're doing their their own battling um mm. i thought that was actually I, I, th- I think maybe the reason for that jack is one thing that i had a problem with well, not a problem but it bugged me a little bit was um the ends do you know when you watch tom and jerry or if you did watch Tom and Jerry when you were younger, the backgrounds were all like neatly painted and the stuff that was going to come to life or be interacted with was so clearly animated. It was a different thing. And the fact that they were all shorter than the trees, they didn't have the same texture as the trees. Like none of the big tall ones that were kind of backgroundy come to life. But when they went to Isengard, they weren't surrounded by the things they should look like. They were just, they looked like trees because they were the only tree looking things in the area. Mm Hmm. Mm, I didn't mind them at Isengard. It was just that their own close-ups during their their meeting was was just annoying. But that's, I mean, to be honest, in terms of like the tree beard stuff and the Ents, that probably wasn't my biggest fault of it all. It was just, it was just a bit boring. Did um, you watch sorry, the th- the theatrical? The film. Oh, that. I, I, oh, I but you watched the theatrical. No, well, well, this is my confession. Um, and this brings us back to our our, our podcast uh, previous week to fellowship. Um, after we'd spoke about the grade and the inconsistencies of the first one, Luke, you said to us or showed us that how they'd uh, messed up the grades for the Blu-ray editions, right? Um, and the extended was far worse. So I started this week watching the extended version of this uh, and it's fucking bad. Like mm. it looks like they've shot it through a green filter. So I had to stop halfway through the extended version and acquire the theatrical um, uh, and settled on that. Same day delivery. Um, same day delivery. Amazon, yeah, makes baby. Sense. Makes sense. Prime. Plug in, plug in those legal. Oh, shit. Plug in those legal. Well, there's no need uh, to define it as legal. I mean, there's distributors. You know, why would you need to? Um, and then my, then my second yeah, kind of confession is that. Um, I watched Interstellar in between uh, the podcast and this. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, <laughs> Nick also has. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot Traitor. more about wormholes and black holes than um, Ents and Orcs. But <coughs> well, shall we bring it back then? Let's, let's bring it <laughs> I've back. I've been thinking about um, wormholes. Also, I just want to quickly I, say for, for context, because I don't think we did bring it up last week. In the, in the fellowship not? in the fellowship podcast, we talked about the the aggressive grade on the theatrical, 
But then it was only in, only after where I realised actually the extended and theatrical didn't line up and the grades were vastly different. Upon a bit of research, it turned out that they kind of they kind of re-colour time every time they do a a release. Um, and they seem to have fucked up the Blu-ray where it's got this green tint that Jack's talking about, just for a bit of subtext. Um, but yeah, um, what do you want to go on to after after the end stuff? Because it's definitely not the only bit of the film. Yeah, sorry, it's not. It's not. It's, it's a bad, it's a bad <laughs> place to start. I'm sorry for that. But I do but concur. I do think it's a, a little negative. bit, a little bit yeah. slow. If there's one, if there's slow. one gripe I have with the film, it is definitely with the ends, and it's. I agree. Yeah, yeah. To I mean, I agree as well. I think I it's a really enjoy that that whole scene. I like the idea of the ends. I kind of like the way they the the main end looks. Um, I I have more maybe an issue with the when they go back to Rivendale and the the whole conversation between. Elrond and uh, Galandriel, um, but we can get into that later. I was I was going to talk about the the characters a little bit more. Maybe we should talk about um, Gollum and um, bring Gollum into the conversation here because I think <clears throat> was this the first real, actual, one hundred percent CG character in a movie? Because Jar Jar Binks was wasn't he still like partially? No, he was fully animated as well, wasn't he? So the the thing is with this is it's supposed to be the first motion capture uh, yeah. character, not not fully CG. I don't know if that had been done before. It mm. might be, but it's supposed to be the first motion right. capture character. And there's a lot of um, not so much controversy in the mainstream, but it, within the visual effects community, I know that there's a lot of controversy as to as to to give that proclamation because he is and and they do say this in the making of. They don't hide it. He is a, mold, a meld between motion capture, um, normal, and normal keyframe animation, where you know you're, you're dragging a skeleton around a screen and and recording each each frame, because most yeah most of uh, Andy Serkis' performance uh, facially is not motion capture. Um, what they realised halfway through really? filming, yeah yeah. So what they realized halfway through filming is that they would use motion capture for his 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 wides, his action stuff where he's moving and fighting and jumping and stuff. But they would in that and in that they would still exaggerate his movements because uh, what Gollum's capable of physically isn't exactly what Andy Serkis was was necessarily capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, but his what they realized onward from that is that everyone else's performance would be elevated when Gollum, when a circus was involved. So when they were mm. doing the reference uh, stuff with him involved, um, they realized they got much better content. So they ended up copying his, his movements in keyframe animation. So the so balls wait, on was, his was face, it basically a, a happy accident. No, it can't be right. I mean, they, they did, did they, they didn't originally think they were going to, just completely CG him from scrap, did they? Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. Um, they cast him as a voice voice actor. And the right. the little s- snippet that you see in Fellowship of him hiding behind the ladder, it yeah. were, they were kind of on their way to realising Gollum. Hadn't quite yet. But they had designed him completely differently. He had a different face. And 
upon realizing how good his performance was physically and how he actually brought the characters to life, they did engineer this way of working where they still used keyframe animation, but then they used also motion capture for a lot of it. Um, and that is all credit to uh, Andy Serkis for bringing that in and being 100% in every take. He was insanely intense in every take. Um, mm. Just like tore up his body and his throat from doing the voice the whole time. Um, and for Jackson to realise that and sort of go, look, we're, the stuff we're getting, not just of his coverage, but of everyone else's is so much better when he's in the frame. So what they yeah. did eventually was, and they did this, you know where he, you know where Frodo and Sam have, have the little argument and just after Smeagol sort of uh, is crawling down the, the river, the little stream after the fish, yeah. that whole thing yeah. of him crawling down the river is, is actually Andy Serkis in that water, like completely crushing his bones on those rocks and they just paint round him. Like they painted him out of the scene and just copied exactly his movements with the anim with the animators is is fascinating yeah. and anyone who's into it look more into it because i wouldn't have put it across how um exactly how it went but that's from my memory how how it came to came together oh shit i mean i think at the end of the day it it works really well and i was surprised this time around how well the cg actually ages um, yeah. because that, that would be like in, in, in fellowship, you can, I would say the troll, the cave troll thing didn't age that well. <clears throat> so for me, I can really see, you know, that's obviously heavy CG. That looks like a video game. It doesn't feel a part of the actual scene that much, mm. but with Gollum, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's different, pretty great. I guess. It's, it yeah, still holds it, up. There's, there's a few scenes where it maybe works a little bit less. Um, but uh, you know, nothing to complain about or anything like it doesn't take you out of the scene once and th that's why i'm confused because normally you would you would have that because the character looks lifelike and feels lifelike and that would be mainly facial expressions and now you're saying that they basically all the facial expression is an animator's guess at a facial expression well is it's not a guess because they would they would instead of tracking them like balls on the face because motion capture at that at that time and I don't know if they can now but it couldn't mm. track detailed facial muscles it could track your arms moving but at that time right, okay. they basically copied frame for frame sometimes they went off piece and did their own stuff which is why almost weirdly the animators are credited with the performance of Gollum because they are literally look there's there's a clip of this woman looking in the mirror at herself, pulling faces and then copying it on the computer. But yeah. for the scene that was behind me before where he's doing his schizophrenic thing, that one scene, that whole thing was exactly how Circus did it. And there's footage side by side of his face and Gollum's face and it's pretty much exactly the same. But mm. um, Peter Jackson cites the fact that they had to do three years work in three months when they realized that they wanted to remodel Gollum after Andy Serkis, just changing the model and everything that they'd done so far to match him, which I think was worth doing because you get that inherent personality across because you're matching the, the movements of a real person. Yeah. Uh, to, just to address a couple of things that you said as well, um, that P Peter Jackson in the commentary says he doesn't look great in sunlight. He looked much better in moonlight. So it was much harder mm. to, to get his skin looking real. And I think a lot of, I mean, you'll probably know, but visual effects 
stuff has um, developed so much in terms of textures. Um, yeah. that, that's usually the problem. So he said in the, in the daylight, like the bit with the rabbits uh, and the taters, he didn't look great. But everything in the moonlight, he looked fantastic. And then in the close-ups, they tried to just move his eyes and mm -hmm. not have his body move too much. And that was some of the key things that they, how they got such a good, great performance out of, out of the model, basically. Interesting. I think for, for me, a lot of the shots in the daylights are the ones that work better with him. I actually think the, the scene with the, with the potatoes um, is really good. That like, one looks yeah, good. There same. is one that doesn't look good. Well, is that the one where the he's marshes. brought wood to the river? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, the marshes where they're in the bogs, right? Yeah. And he says, don't don't fall in the water. Or... Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's not daylight, but it's not night either. It's some it's sort of this weird dusk kind of overcast so, deal. Question mm. on, on Andy Serkis and his performance. So did they always have um, the kind of motion capture in camera already and then they were like oh we can actually use this or was it something that they realized that they needed to change uh halfway through like after how good his performances were uh, and that they had to like would they have had to like reshot scenes with him wearing like the ping pong suits or was yeah was it so always would, something from what i understand they would do it three times they would do a plate with Frodo, Sam and Gollum in like this white suit. I don't think there are actually any balls on him. Um, they started doing that first and then realized how good he was. And then they would do a take without him. So that would have informed the motivation of things moving and stuff like that. And then they would do a plate where Frodo and Sam would have to match that without Gollum in it. And then I think they, during the process, got onto the motion capture and came up with the actual concept of motion capture um, wow. because at the beginning of the process it was definitely not on the cards um mm. i could be wrong but in the making of that i've seen way too many times the they explain how it was very much developed over the over the shoot which you know this is the longest shoot is 50 15 months and they were shooting bits from different films at all times so it's the one situation where that would actually work and it did but it's really it's interesting. I know. Mm. Um, I'm actually. I'm saying. I know. I think I know. Um, you were saying about facial expression. I think Mark Ruffalo's Hulk is mm. the first time that they capture facial expressions and put his face onto a character. Oh, really? um, I thought that I was guess, 04 or something. I, yeah, I get. Yeah, I don't think that's far from Jamie Two Towers. Yeah, I think you're right. You think uh, <clears throat> it's weird because although Gollum technically at this stage isn't human, he's kind of, uh, I don't know, what would you call him? What would you say he is now? Just a gremlin. Oh, yeah. Creature. Really. Um, it's, it's interesting it's that actually it's the human elements of Andy Serkis' performance that actually brings the character alive. Mm. Um, and I agree with you, Nick. It's like set up the troll for the first one, and then even um, do we see any trolls in the second one? I'm not sure. No. I think in yeah, um, we, we we see them open the gate. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, that that it, looks it, not great. 
So I mean, it does. Like, I completely. I really agree with you. Like, it feels like a, an old game. It feels like the original mm. Tomb Raider on PC, um, but with that added uh, human movement from any circus, it, it makes a huge difference. Mm. And I think uh, it's also shit. Sorry, I'm not getting hung up on Treebeard, but that was one of the things that annoyed me with with him and his movement. It was kind of like. When the shots where he's holding um, Mary and Pippin, um, and he's like, and you can, it's obvious that it's green screen, and it's kind of really obvious that it's not great visual effects. But then Gollum looks like like way better, yeah, into, against that. But um, that's good in that's that's good inside intel. Um, yeah. And also, Luke, you've met Andy Circus. Well, two of the, this podcast have met Andy Serkis, two, which is kind of a weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a big boy in Ealing. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> so we are the, the the West London, almost born and almost raised. So and, me and uh, Nick are born and bred without being born and bred in Ealing. That's close to it. Um, not at all. But I went to film school in Ealing, and he did a Q and A because he'd recently just moved into one of the studio buildings to open the Imaginarium, which was his yeah. motion capture studio. So the film school obviously were like, great, <laughs> rubbing their hands together. Let's get this, let's get their money's worth in. We'll get Andy Serkis over in for a 20 minute Q&A. Um, and he, so hundreds of us. People. Right, yeah, he exactly. got a couple of students to help out, Luke. Oh, he did, Did you did, ask yeah. him a question? I did actually. I can't remember what it was. Some really, really enthusiastic fanboy. Was it actually about, about the, the Hobbit. Hobbit? It was because the Hobbit was coming up. So um, this was part of his press run. Was going, was coming to our Q and A. But hundreds of us piled into this room, and I've never felt an atmosphere like it. People were so fucking buzzing to see him. And uh, I remember he obviously did the voice uh, during the Q and A. It was great. I've got a video somewhere. I'll, I'll try and find it, but. And then I saw him in the car park when I came in early, uh, like maybe the day after or the two days after, and just sort of nodded at him, played it cool, and uh, he nodded back. <laughs> <laughs> having, having no idea who you were. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but he, he could tell my feverish kind of lust for... Just him, really, in, in general. You know that so you, you had reckoned. sweat on your forehead. Just <laughs> yeah, there was something very evident. I was probably wearing a Gollum's t-shirt at the time. I mean, the, but, the fanboyism <laughs> that he must get must be unbearable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all because I think fantasy the fact dudes. That his face isn't on screen also adds <laughs> to that. You it's need like to really, a little really bit, be into it. <laughs> right. It's like a bit BTS. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. he's he's probably used to it. And then Nick, you met him as well. Yeah. Well, the uh, the company that um, well, actually, you you were on set with him. You were the uh, the 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 second half of a was it a wolf? So on that day, I didn't I didn't meet him. He wasn't there. Oh. But okay. I I tested for his Jungle Book. They needed volunteers to do mocap, and I was like, oh yeah, Smeagol, yeah, I'll fucking do it. And, uh, <laughs> So I went in and I was the hind legs of a wolf in the testing for Jungle Book. I was separated Amazing. by a bit of sort of soft play area um, <laughs> between me and this other girl. And it's really difficult to run with four legs between two of you. 
in tandem. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, well, my girlfriend, um, she used to work at that, that, that very place. I think she wasn't working there when you were the, the second half of the wolf. Um, and imagine, imagine she was there, and she's like, "God, those poor, <laughs> yeah. poor people will have to pretend to be yeah. a wolf." She <laughs> always remembers that guy and felt pity on him. Yeah, <laughs> he was always yeah, so sweaty, the back so sweaty the when, yeah, and when <laughs> Andy ass. was here, he was just like profusely sweating all the time. <laughs> they had to change the wolf costume a lot. <laughs> uh amazing yeah well well i but um through various circumstances i um attended a cast or it was just a crew screening of his planet of the apes movie um and and he was he was there obviously and the hotel that the um premiere was in had a bowling alley and we all bowled there oh amazing <laughs> and he shook his hand yeah i think he pl he rolled like one and then he's like, right, okay. I've done my Buffet. Bit. I've been here. <laughs> yeah. My name's on the guest list. I'm out of it. Well, he was the reason, yeah. So as you can tell everyone, we're all in, we're, we're all deep in the industry and we've got connections, you know. We're in, we, we, we we're are. in circles. Very, you know, we're shaking very hands with the big wigs. Semi-professional connection. We're rubbing shoulders. Uh, I, the thing that we didn't touch on last week, really, um, was kind of the, the structure of the story um, of of the first movie, and I thought maybe we could try that this week. Uh, I know that that's you know Matt and Luke's specialty, um, and and maybe the just talk about like what because obviously these movies kind of come in a pack of threes, and how does that kind of change the dynamic of the individual movie? Because if you think about maybe like character arcs and characters changing in this movie. Is is there like change in the characters, or is it more just kind of carrying on? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I th we yeah. didn't really touch on any of that last week. There's there's one thing that I felt in this one was that um, Sam and Frodo they were they were treading water a little bit. I felt in their in their falling out of each other. Sometimes it felt a little contrived and and not a real difference from i mean there's a difference from beginning and end they they kind of get down in the dumps with each other and then resolve it by the end but i felt a lot um, more connected to the the first the first film and their journey mm. even though they didn't have much of a um an arc together then i just felt more emotionally connected to the two of them in the first and the second and that might be because we're we're going away from them a little bit and showing the wider world and new characters and new situations. But I did feel a disconnect in this view and with them. Yeah. yeah it feels a little I bit more like Aragon and um, like Legolas is like, the, it feels like they're more the focus of the entire story in this movie. They become right? the protagonists really, don't they? It's like from the first, we start so strong with Frodo and Sam and their journey. Um, and then in this, I felt like Frodo and Sam were just kind of like stumbling along, mm. kind of like tripping over things and like not really, really getting over any hurdles. But then it was like, it was more about Aragorn and Legolas <clears throat> and Gimli and like their, their little trio, their little threesome, like thriving and how, um, also Aragorn and the immortality and, him as yeah, his destiny the, and 
yeah, it felt far more connected to the to the like I guess Lord of the Rings story. Um, and I know it's strange because I know the final thing to this is, or the main goal of this is is for the ring to be to be dropped in uh, in uh, the volcano. Yep. Uh, and and that's what sh- like the the main plot is, uh, and that's what the story is about. But really, the only interesting bits come from what everyone else is doing in this, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I think it's for us like just far more relatable. Um, and it's like everyone at some point is like. I either want to be Legolas or Aragorn. Uh, and if you're really cool, you want to be Gimli. Luke. <laughs> and then if you're, re- if you're really niche, you want to be Faramir. Um, but I, don't, I just, last time I said, I think I'd fallen in love with Elijah Wood. And this time I'm saying, um, I'm not anymore. You want a, you want a divorce? I want a divorce uh, and Orlando or Vigo if, if you're <laughs> you'll about. Have <laughs> if you'll have me. If you'll have me, I'm here. I'm here. Um, Luke, prove Luke, me wrong. Luke, did, have so, you, did you fall out of connection with them in the second one? Do you relate yeah, to them? Yeah, well, just to, you know, I definitely find, find it much more relatable to, um, to fight uh, an army of 10,000 orcs than uh, just, you know, kind of fall out, fall out with a mate. But um, without 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 the way, um, all our delusions of grandeur. What do you think? Yeah, you, say, yeah. you know, traveling. You'd rather you know, you'd rather dream about killing orcs than climbing up a mountain. You know, you know the amount of times I've sort of tracked people down over hundreds of miles running over all the, the time. Yeah, they're, they're running. Weekend. They're running yeah. was a big thing that annoyed me. Yeah, Just and, endless, uh, endless running. But in all seriousness, I think that I I do think a part of this is. Um, down to the, t- the ties of the book, which is not an, necessarily an excuse, but in in the Two Towers, the culmination of the story is supposed to be in Shelob's lair, which is not until the next film, which is the Spider. Um, so here, they do hatch, actually do need to tread water a little bit with Frodo and Sam. They do have to delay unnaturally their story a little bit. Um, mm. And they speak about this in the commentary where um, they didn't want to take away from the Helm's Deep climax uh, by having cross-cutting to Shelob's lair which I think was a good which was a good uh decision and I think Frodo and Sam's uh sort of main substance in the in the film does suffer but I do think they have a really good dynamic and arc over the story still I especially with just for example the imagery of um at the beginning when they first meet Gollum Frodo puts the sword to his neck and now at the end, this mm. is mirrored in in when Frodo puts the sword to Sam's mm. neck, which is really nice, and it yeah. shows that the fact that Smeagol has torn them apart somewhat. Um, and there there aren't enough scenes like the one I was talking about before, where uh, Frodo goes, "It's mine, my own. The ring was entrusted to me," and he has a he has a real go at Sam. I think there could have been a lot more of that. I do agree. Really, but yeah, yeah, because yeah, definitely because I think, that's I think the interpersonal. If that be too much for me. Like, I, think it needs I get more it. Of a split up. I really get it. Okay, well, well maybe that, well, maybe. that that's the, the the sort of pinnacle of that conflict. But mm. there could have maybe been been a bit more building to that. I think the rest of it, 
um, mainly focuses on on Frodo and Gollum together and the thing that they share, which is the connection through the ring. And I find that stuff like very, very compelling. If you imagine you're a first time viewer, I think the bit in the marshes is a genius scene where mm-hmm. Frodo's touching the ring and um, Jackson was saying this in the commentary where they came up with the idea that Gollum knew when he was touching the ring and would look at his hand at the same time. I think that's such a cool like mm-hmm. little connection that they have as ring bearers. And um, his whole back, you know, it just raises the mystique because Frodo says you weren't so different from a hobbit once. You get that bit, that little sneak peek of information. Um, I think Gollum realizing that he was once called Smeagol and was once a hobbit is really cool. Um, it's much more focused on, on Gollum than Frodo and Sam. But I think uh, the way Frodo and Sam's relationship breaks down and you have that payoff at the end and then Sam gives that great speech. I think those are really cool moments. I do think, though, that because they f- f- uh, negated the spider scene, that if you think about it, Frodo and Sam spent a lot of the movie in captivity by Faramir. And I think that's the mm. main problem, is they're prisoners for a lot of it. Yeah, how long were they there for? A half hour? What? In, like captured, you mean? Yeah, in minutes. I think it's, I think it's almost half the film. Wow. Yeah, because it happens before the the big fight and everything, right? Yeah, the big battle. Yeah. Um, question: uh, Do we ever know uh, that Gollum has worn the ring, like actually put it on? Uh, yeah. Assume because he in the Return of the King he does at the beginning. Remember, he picks it off the grass. Right, he's just killed his cousin, and he goes, "Mal." Oh, yeah. Precious. and then he puts it on and then you have the like deterioration montage which is fucking scary mm-hmm. yeah so juice the fly montage yeah yeah it's, yeah very very the fly actually very reminiscent mm. yeah um, i really i really agree with you like saying i think it needed more of frodo kind of turning a bit more into Gollum to reinforce that. Cause it, I, I found like a couple of times where they were like, uh, leading to that. And then it would just take Sam to be like, Mr. Frodo, you're, you know, you're relying on the ring or, you know, you're turning a little bit and he's like, Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Fair enough. Whereas I like, had, he've done a few more bad things maybe it like would have torn them all apart a bit more, I think. And then when they finally came out together and there's that big speech at the end in um Osgiliath. Osgiliath. Yeah. Is that right? Reminded me a lot um, of Slough, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the Nazgul and it would have it would have been nice to have a bit more of that, I think. Um but I, I mean, that's a fair point, I guess, if they're if they're in captivity from Faramir. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's my boy. Um, was that in the was that in the book that they got held captive because that if they were struggling with treading water and they admitted it 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 was a good device then to have them in captivity so they're limited in what they can do for half the film imagine if like imagine if they weren't like if if they're not doing much now then they would have have to really thought of something drastic to keep them occupied i'm 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 not sure i know that 
they some some interesting changes they made was um faramir in the book completely disregards the ring and says i wouldn't pick this up if i saw it on the side of the road um which obviously diminishes the ring's power so much yeah, that they decided to cut that out to mordor yeah right so yeah. it was so that they cut that out because it really does diminish like you know yeah. the whole point of the film you just undermine almost. that yeah, yeah it, does, it is quite undermining um i like so, that even more yeah i mean if he'd have said that it'd have been quite something but they they kept him i think they did the right thing keep giving him captive and having mm. him faramir's motivation is great as well it's like yes. his one chance to show that is to show off to his dad and have him mm-hmm. be impressed and so i think he has got a real motive to keep hold of frodo and sam yeah, um, which is nice. The, the shadow of his brother, who yeah, yeah, who fell for the ring but turned away. I mean, he's he, one of the stronger dynamics of the film, really. Yeah, I, I like that dynamic. That's something that I like really picked up on this time. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw this film before that, but the um, Faramir and Boromir were two people that I really kind of enjoyed. And, yeah, and the father there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, does it? Does he come back in three? The father, I recognize him a lot. The fa- whose father? Um, uh, Faramir. Yeah, so Faramir's father's Denethor, which okay. who's the guy in Minas Tirith. We don't see him in this film. He only but, features in the third one. Oh, yeah, of one, course, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. In the, but in the extended, they have a great scene. I don't know if you, you guys got yeah, this far. Yeah, I watched the extended one. They have a great scene where Boromir... Is he in this movie already? It's a, it's a flashback yeah. in the extended where Boromir's in Gondor with Denethor, the dad, and Faramir. And he's mm. giving this like big heroic speech and the, and the people love him. And he sticks up for Faramir, for his brother. So you know that there's a bit of a bond there, but you also know that the father doesn't like him, doesn't like mm. Faramir and likes Boromir. And yeah. that's just before Boromir goes to the council to then, you know, join the fellowship. Yeah, because he said, um, oh, I've heard about the the thing that will yeah. save us. And, and it's so good. That, there's, re- there's resentment a, in the two of them and their father as well. Yeah. They're like, oh God, mm. he's here. That's a great scene that sets up the, that, that dynamic. And uh, Sean Bean was flown out to New Zealand just for that scene in pickups and was pretty pissed when it didn't, didn't arrive on the thing. So I think Jackson put it in the DVD for him. But That's the what he um, does. also, uh, Jack, what you said about um, what's it, Frodo becoming more like Gollum in you know, the scene where Faramir almost takes the ring and has the sword up by his neck, they had a version of that scene where Faramir sees Frodo in Gollum's likeness. Like, mm. there's pictures online of this, and Frodo's yeah. got, like, the bald cap and, like, the stringy hair and the dark eyes and everything. It's pretty scary. And and Jackson was just what? like, we didn't want to confu- confuse the viewers. I'm not sure how it would have confused people, but... So, so wait, just so I understand. They, they would have cut in Frodo looking half, yeah. like, Frodo half. Gollum there's just there's images kind of, like, online. a vision. Yeah, yeah. Faramir's really, vision. it's pretty freaky. Um, I think it's there, on the group. Um, of yeah, Friday. I've yeah, seen someone. Didn't when you send it? Yeah, know, that might have been Saturday. I was the, not. Online. There was um, <laughs> there was definitely. So there was definitely a, that was definitely the main idea of Frodo's arc in this film, which that proves is him yeah. becoming more like Smeagol and their dynamic yeah. more than you know the Frodo and Sam duo. So I, I do think. They, yeah, I wonder why they didn't do that. I wonder if they took it out because this this kind of like visions and communicating non non verbally telepathically is really kind of reserved for the for the elves. Do you reckon that has something to do with it? Well, 
Jackson in the in to be fair in the commentary gave the reason of I think it would have been too confusing to the viewer like the visual language of suddenly cutting to a vision. I mean, it's so different than than and it's, what it's been. But, but he done right. that in one, didn't he? Yeah, uh, but he did. To be fair, with, with he the did that with, with Gandalf. Yeah, Gandalf too. And no, with um, what's her face when Frodo's by the pool. And um, oh yeah, but he's yeah, he's looking down. But he's looking Liv into yeah, a, a source. Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. No, 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 not her. The other one, Blanche. Galadriel. Galadriel. But it, but in that Just scene, by a real name. he's looking into a into a into a mechanism that's supposed to show him the future, whereas mm. Faramir, from his perspective, suddenly, who's not a lead character, you suddenly oh, see a vision okay. from his perspective. So it's I think it's different. And but we but we get that with with Bilbo when Bilbo turns evil. All of a sudden, there's a little transformation with him there. Yeah, yeah but that actually happens. A, yeah, he doesn't flash. He doesn't have a vision. That's not of, like a of vision. The future. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it it would be. I don't think it would be super confusing to then all of a sudden have Frodo, to mirror that, unless he just stands there. Unless there's if there's like a a transition from normal Frodo into kind of becoming this golem thing within a frame or something like that. That is that, that is what it was. So I I I don't oh, I don't agree that it was that it would be confusing. Like I'm sh- a, a normal audience would go right. He's obviously not that now. He's he's still Frodo, but. Yeah, it is a bit jarring because it's not motivated by anything, right? Like the right. fountain's motivated because it's it's the magical fountain, and the the Bilbo's little split second transformation is motivated by the fact that he wants the ring. There's nothing motivating Frodo to look like Gollum at that, that precise moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, kind of, but it but it would it would in a way because if Faramir is looking to take the ring from him, and then if you have that snap second of him. Good in point. the same way that Bilbo did, or Gollum. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it's it's not. It's not uh, like a deal breaker. But it would. I think it would have made it a bit more interesting. I think. And imagine if, like Frodo's appearance slightly changed a little bit towards Gollum, because throughout mm. the series Frodo stays the same. Mm, um, he starts to get more, more like, worn. I suppose that's more. Yeah, it's hard to know if that's the journey. Yeah, as opposed but, to the evil. But, it, but you and, said to us, I remember, like, the, uh, and actually, me and Nick spoke about this earlier. It was like the thing that I think I struggle with the most in across the, all all the films, but also I guess what like Peter Jackson uh, and the team would have struggled the most in terms of relating to the books is the time aspect of things. And like with you saying about how in the first uh, and the time from when Gandalf leaves and comes back, it's supposed to be 17 years in the book. And how do you translate that into film? And I kind of see that for the same in this. Like it feels like a long time, but it doesn't feel like it's years. But that's what it's supposed mm-hmm. to be, right? In terms of like going from one well, fellowship all the way to return and finally putting the ring in Mount Doom. It's supposed to be a, a good amount of time. But I feel well, like in this, it just it, doesn't, you know, from start to finish, doesn't really feel like much time has actually passed. To be fair, I think in this movie, the 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 distance they have to cover comes across a lot more for me than in in Fellowship, for example, because I think in Fellowship we spend so much time in the beginning 
in the Shire here they're they're everybody's moving constantly and it really feels like they're traveling pretty great distances here mm. i feel like i the, really like that the the horseback to me feels like traveling but the where we just come back to aragorn gimli and legolas running because <laughs> the, four days because yeah, they're not even remotely tired or anything they're just like the same it doesn't seem a big distance to me it seems like a like a 5k that they're doing it would be it would be interesting to see maybe the difference between it would be interesting to see the difference between elves and dwarves and humans in that scene a little bit more, maybe. Because mm. yeah, because well, Gimli's Gimli constantly always, saying he's, he's constantly complaining. Behind. He's doing all right though. He's he's just like constantly two meters behind. Yeah, with well, a movie, they have to have him two meters behind. They can't have him two miles behind, can they? They could. Oh, we're just gonna have to stop. They could do. Gimli's gonna they could do this probably about like a comedic minutes. thing where you you're on a wide shot and you see just Aragorn and Legolas running through. The frame, complete frame, and then leaving the frame again, and then it's just an empty frame. Just an empty frame for five later. minutes. Oh, I feel like they play with that enough within <laughs> reason, within like I want it more. a doable way in the film. More slapstick. I, um, I mean, but the, the, the time thing, I'm not, I don't think it's necessarily relevant because it's like there's this whole, there's, there's, there's lots of like um, differences between the books and the films in terms of their journey. But it just reads how it reads. Like it doesn't need to be more than it reads by. I think, like mm. the, the the running scenes feel like days upon days. Um, I think the entire journey from beginning to end is supposed to be a single year, because at the end of Return of the King, I believe Frodo says it's been a year since Weathertop Sam, and he holds his wound. So and he and by then he's back in the in the Shire. So it might be a different time frame from the books, but I, don't, I really don't think you can compare the books to the films. I think it's only, actually only supposed to be a year. I mean... Um, That's fair enough. So, I, I, yeah, it's kind of up to opinions, mm. really, but... I, yeah. It doesn't really make a difference, is what I'm saying to me. Mm. Why, I mean, why does it need to take a long time? No, I, I guess I agree. I mean, this I think is maybe a little bit confusing. Yeah, I think... Uh, I remember we spoke about in the first one how we said that uh, probably more to do with world developing um, is that it felt like very enduring in the first one and there was a lot more elements for them to battle other than this dark force. There was just other beings across the world and there was the, the mountains and the mines of Moria and it felt like a lot of different locations and a lot of different places to travel to. And I think it just, for this, it wasn't, there wasn't as much depth with that. But I guess maybe you could argue that maybe that's already built upon in the first one. No, I agree with that, actually. Because a lot a lot of the locations here are, are similar. You've got yeah. the one, you've got the one behind so me, which is like Rohan, um, which is very like grasslandy. Um, which actually the cast say was the most beautiful out of any of the locations they shot because all those mountains around those snowy mountains are real. That's one singular That's location. Crazy, yeah. And they built the whole thing on top of that mound and they had to tear it all down after because it was like a protected place. And then the, the bits behind Matt, I, again, because they're running it. The thing is they're running in a, a similar location though. So it has to look similar. The thing in the fellowship is I think it is a longer journey, I think, because they cut from snowy mountains to mines to uh, yeah. Lothlorien 
Forest, I think they do move quicker. So you, yeah, there is something there to the passing of time. But it, this mm. one is, I think, more interested in interpersonal conflict. The whole, yeah. the whole Rohan setting is a soap opera, right? You've got Theoden, the dynamic between Theoden, Wormtongue, Eowyn, and Saruman ch- taking charge, and Eomir who gets banished. Like, there's a whole. It settles down for a bit in this. I, I get that. And it's I like think Shakespearean. You, yeah, you lose you lose the locations because they're not traveling as much. But I do enjoy that the dynamic. It's a bit more storytelling. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I liked. I, I, well. Yeah. True. I did like um, the further development of of Aragorn, be kind of becoming more of the king that he he will be in the next. Yeah. It's him going from Strider, the ranger, who's kind of lurks in the shadows and bit of a hobo in a way to actually becoming more of a leader. uh, And he has other beings being the elves and the, and and dwarves and even Gandalf is, is led by Aragorn at points in this film. So that's where Mm -hmm. I was, that's where I I allowed myself to be completely sold. Um, Yeah. 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 In this, he does. And, and Vigo is honestly, the best he's ever looked in this one. He's a fucking legend. Um, so I learned something new actually this week was to do with Gandalf and how he comes back as the white wizard. Um, and for most of the time, I thought, Nick's laughing because we spoke about it. So. No, it's not We're, that. Careful. It's uh, a funny sentence in general. <laughs> that you learned yeah, something actually, new about actually, the wizards. I actually thought I learned something really interesting about the wizards this week. And um, I uh, found cool. out about the hierarchy. I, I thought they were, it was a hierarchy in terms of like white uh, and gray. Um, and it was like kind of stepping stages uh, on, on where you get to next kind of thing. But I learned that actually it's to do with their role and how, what roles they play in the world. Um, and so the boy went deep. white, white <clears throat> is uh, the exact opposite of Sauron being black yeah. um, and white, but, and it's, it's kind of semi based on Christianity, right? And you've got like dark angels versus the light angels, you'd say. Mm. Um, and the reason that Gandalf comes back is that his, his people, his wizardry people and their, whoever their gods are, they decide that he's, he now has to, because Saruman hasn't fulfilled the role as the white wizard, he then comes back as the white wizard ah. to do the job properly. Because it's like, um, to, they, he says, like, it's for a purpose. Like, I've been sent yeah. back to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as, the, as the grey wizard, he's more of like a people person. And yeah. he's here to look after the people of the world. But as the white wizard, you're there to fight mm. Sauron. I didn't know that. Um yeah, which was I thought. That's which, really cool. Uh, yeah, because oh. I didn't really understand why. Like, I, I got it, but like, why this whole uh, white wizard thing was such a, you know, incredible. Yeah, and I was actually going to um, just quickly say about that scene as well. It's like the first time that we're kind of, as an audience, run into an expanded part of this universe because we see ev- mm-hmm. everyone as like a man, a wizard who looks exactly like a man who rides a horse who runs around, right? But then you, 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 in that scene, you suddenly get this like 
obviously the fight with the Balrog ends, he dies, and then you see him, you see this like astro, astrological montage of him yeah. dying and coming to terms, and you think, oh shit, I, the, you, I think it's a good reminder of like what kind of world this, the book actually is. It's mm-hmm. not that Gandalf is a, is a bloke and he's a wizard because he's got a hat. He is actually uh, a different being altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's really cool that they tied in the, the more magical side of things. The yeah. mysticism of it and you realize that it's not it's not everything's just like black and white it's it's he can be sent back by the his people mm. um i think the i think he's he's a maya i think that's what they're called which is him sauron uh saruman yeah. and the balrog is a, is a maya as well but there's different levels to how powerful they are and all that shit but yeah, yeah so sauron is a sauron is a magician yeah, yeah. so as well so he was a he was a a wizard who was slightly more senior than saruman and gandalf and he was corrupted that's the that's the like backstory of sauron okay there was even a more a more there was an, an original evil guy called melkor and then sauron <laughs> became his like understudy and then took over <laughs> him and he's he's Is basically a wizard one? gone bad like so so Basically, he's Anakin. The yeah, he's well Anakin. Yeah, it's true. The Interesting. Melkor and Melvin guy. is Palpatine. Mm, okay. I will not have analogies between my work and J.R. Tolkien. Bears no resemblance at all. But if you talk about me and your podcast, it's another check for daddy. <laughs> yeah, it's another check for daddy. <laughs> can't wait! I fucking can't wait for that shit. Uh, amazing. Um, um yeah go on jack nah i was i was gonna i think i've been fairly critical so far but i was gonna yeah tell us some stuff that you really like i, I was about gonna this i was movie. gonna really because these movies in. yeah come on let's masturbate still, a Jesus. Yeah, yeah i'm ready i'm semi That's good i'm semi baby um it's the name of the show boy and it and it start it, like it's when they're at uh minas Tirith. yeah Nailed it. And nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> and everything from there, like... Wait, yeah, isn't that the it, next movie? Hang on, wait. It's going to go to yeah. Helm's <laughs> Deep. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't Helm's Deep. It. You idiot. <laughs> oh, shit. Full start. <laughs> oh, I've been corrupted. I'll take half the um, The Padawan stopped you. Uh, Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep. Um, but anything from there is like, it's fairly procedural. Uh, but like, obviously the battle is... The main selling point for me oh, um, with this good. film, uh, and mm-hmm. something that me and I think Luke and possibly Nick have all orgasmed together about um, simultaneously. Is, simultaneously is when the rain starts in the oh. battle scene, and it's and it's trickling on all the armor, and then like that's the start of the battle. Oh, oh mate, good. Nice cinematic tool. So weather in the in the commentary, Jackson is all about the build up to the battle, and I completely fucking agree with him. He talks mm. about Zulu being his main reference, um, and I don't know if anyone's seen it. I haven't probably quite seen, before seen our time a little bit. Well, like yeah. Zulu warriors, yeah, the African yeah. tribe, and so the, apparently there's a great battle scene, Culture. and half half of the film is just the build up to it and building that tension. And I, I absolutely agree that that is the whole mystique behind behind Helm's Deep, and I think it's the best scene for that reason. 
that shot hmm. where it just starts raining there on the wall and then you see the torches come from the distance and it's just hmm. like a complete landscape of the torches coming to it's just like the atmosphere of that scene i don't think matches anything that i can remember mm-hmm. And, and you the, know, it, it starts when when the elves come in. Sorry, I'm interrupted. But yeah, yeah, it's even when like the elves come in, and that whole like ethereal, mystical vibe and atmosphere that they bring with them. It's like that's like the start of because they're all pretty dilapidated at this point, right? And then it's the return of Aragorn, mm. which is like, oh, here's a boost. But then mm. him and Legolas have their little argument in Elvish, um, and then he speaks. To uh, he speaks to that little boy, and, and then finally the elves come along, and it's like fuck yeah, like we we can we right. might be able to do this, and that hypes yeah. you up, right? Because you yeah, they're the, all the, and Matt, you'll the know cons- it's the like complete opposite of the 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 people in the fortress. Yeah, right? it's mm. it's like rising tension. It's it's they look completely out outmatched and outnumbered, obviously. Uh, they're they're the, the the lowest of lows, and then to build the tension is to amp it up and actually give some stakes where it's like. I love the fact that they, because what they could have done is have the army travel to Helm's Deep um, to draw away from the women and children. Um, and they could have separated those two quite easily. but And then explain it geographically where the orcs go straight to the army or whatever. But the fact that they put the women and children directly behind the walls in mm-hmm. the caves raises the stakes immediately. And then you you know this, this little weakness that Wormtongue gives to Saruman which they, again raises the stakes. And then the fact that they're up against all odds and then they build slight bits of hope. As you say, Jack, Aragorn comes back and then the elves turn up and it's like unexpected. And I think, fuck, the best performance in this movie is is Bernard Hill for me. Yeah, I think he's unbelievable. Who's Theoden, the, the king of Rohan. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And the, his face when the elves turn up and he goes down completely yeah. shocked is like so amazing. And then... He, I mean, delivering that that line reading. So it begins is just the most epic thing to be given in in a in a screenplay just before you shoot it ever. Um, I think he yeah. does a really really good job in this. Yeah, um, and there's there's good stages to this battle as well. Like you said, it starts it starts when the Orokai are there and they've made their like formation and like both sides are like prepped and ready to go. Mm. Um, and then there's just kind of like the not stalemate but there's like the pause um and then i think what jackson's good at doing here is adding the small pieces of comic relief Mm. um and with like the old man releasing his uh arrow prematurely just makes it so human Um, yeah exactly and then like the little bits between gimli and legolas uh and how many they've killed like it it really amps up the the scene a lot more, and then you know they the, the orcs start with um, the ladders, their little ladders, yeah, yeah the little That's ladders so that they use, uh, and then what's after that? Like the ladders don't really the, work. Then it's the catapult, and then it's the grappling hooks which take people out and then hook onto the wall, and they're yeah, climbing yeah. up them backwards, aren't they? And then Legolas takes out the ladders which lands on people, so it's 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 a point oh, and no, then counterpoint it's back and we've, forth we've yeah. skipped the um the explosion but doesn't that happen um, on... yeah okay well that's the that. next because they have to retreat to the inner wall yeah um but even that's great like that oh. whole sequence with with Legolas, oh, it's so good like, running up as well that dude that berserker just like running through 
is so epic. Yeah. I think and that's Aragorn everyone... clocking him and going, Legolas, yeah. bring him down. And he can't. Yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah. running through the arrows. It's fucking great. Yeah, and it's that. And then like, Gimli gets stuck because Aragorn's stuck what, behind that wall. The explosions happened. And then like Gimli's, Gimli's stuck between them all like under the water. And then it's that whole teamsmanship that those three have and the unity and he shouts to Legolas like for the second time to come in and kind of save the day um, and then he does the whole skateboarding down the stairs mm. uh, gets a few arrows off um, nice. my favourite specifically is stabbing someone with an arrow yeah. Um, yeah, and, then, and, then, and then loading it in and shooting someone and I'm just like I want to be Legolas right now. That's all I wanted to be as a kid. Get some. Yeah. Like, whenever we play acting it, I'm Legolas. Mm. You lot can be (laughs) whoever you want, but I'm Legolas. Yeah. Um, And then we then we go to the bridge. Yeah. Um, The little little Roman shell. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and this is what I like about this is. Um, them as a trio but like how much influence they have on the world as a whole and the people around them because they are they're they're kind of these beings that can go across the 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 world of um what you're gonna have to middle earth but what's middle earth here we go go. so they can they you know aragorn knows alvish and he can kind of they go across species and this kind of thing and this is where like the kind of superhero element um for me like really kicks in is is when they're on the bridge and the gates get like stormed um yeah. and mm-hmm. what's his name the king fuck you've said it so many times Thaden, and he's and they say how long do you need and he's like what does he say like as long as you can give me as long as you can give me uh, and <laughs> the like, complete and, opposite uh, of 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes. As long as you hear uh, uh, About 10, 10 minutes. minutes. <laughs> about ten, time it would be about 10 minutes. Um, uh, Imagine uh, if you said 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you could give me five to 10 minutes, that would be great. Um, if you can. If you can. If you can. And then Aragorn and Gimli are just to, like use that little side door. Um, and Gimli's like, we can take them. He says, toss me. Uh, and yeah, I yeah, cannot jump uh, the distance. You're going to have to toss me. <laughs> Does yeah. he say, don't tell the elf? Yeah. Don't tell the elf. Don't tell the elf. Don't yeah. tell the elf. Oh, that's another good uh, little dynamic that's built in this film is, is between Gimli and Legolas, mm. which I remember mm. getting a good reaction in the cinema. It was like, that was like the, the, Hollywood, the Hollywood blockbuster stuff is them counting their kills, isn't it? It's yeah. great. It's mm. great yeah, how... Yeah. But it's amazing how they integrate almost old English dialogue with Hollywood blockbuster-like action stuff like Counting Your Kills and then the the story to carry on seamlessly and it to be very tense, but at Mm. the same time very funny. And I think that is genius. And I'd really do credit the, the screenwriters especially for taking out amazing bits of uh, writing in the book and putting them in here. But then the mm. actors for just like saying the most ludicrous shit in normal dialogue. Mm. Uh, I wish I had some, um, well, like, um, you know, you know, when Aemir circles them in 
with the horses. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what business does an alpha man a dwarf have? In the-? And, and a lot of that is very old Englishy. Like some of the stuff he says, you know, when he says, uh, but do not trust the hope. And he says it weird. Mm. He says, trust the hope for some reason. Mm. But you don't question it. It's just part of the world. And there are better examples. But um, it's funny what you're saying, Jack, about the three heroes being in the battle and how influential they are. Just one little nugget from the commentary was that Jackson was cutting together this sequence and found that if you went any more than two to three shots without seeing one of the heroes, it was great action, but it didn't mean anything. And you started to get bored Mm, straight away. So it didn't matter how like spectacular it was you just lost connection and so he said i try not to go to any more than two or three shots without cutting back to a hero and seeing what they were doing in the geography of the battle which is i think is a great tip just for shooting that kind of thing yeah it really allows for them uh, like we said before it, it it feels like it's more their film rather than um frodo and sam's a little bit but it really allows them to have like their proper impact on mm. the whole series. Uh, mm. and it then does, because the on. next one is very Frodo yeah, and Sam. Yeah, 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 exactly. But you know what they're capable of. But yeah. um, it, it, in, in terms of like pure entertainment, that whole sequence was like oh, amazing to watch in the cinema. It's so incredible. good. Yeah. So good. And then they charge out at the end. Um, and then I guess this is probably... Aragorn's like main character arc in this film at least where um, Faden is kind of retreating and he's like let's let's go out and face them I do want to and old Ganny comes out at the end of course yeah there's the great the thing that I forgot about was um, when he seeded it earlier and you say at the time of whatever fifth light first light yeah first light the fifth day yeah look and it comes through the window and it's that's the um, I just want to yeah. build on the, the the legend that is Vigo a little bit because I don't know if any of you saw the appendices for this episode. Um, but no, in that, sort of, it sort of basically, uh, Matt, you definitely <laughs> want to check this mate. out because um, Vigo basically becomes just this absolute legend on set. Like everyone wants to be him, every girl wants to bang him. It's like he's <laughs> and him, every guy, him and, oh, and every guy, him and the uh, and the stunt team kind of build this rapport <sighs> where all the stunt guys, when they're doing fight scenes, basically want to have a fight with with Vigo. They're like they're just explaining in talking heads how much that if you're doing a fight, you want to have the fight with Vigo because you feel like you've been in a proper scrap. Like he would go. <laughs> Hundred percent in all of his scenes, and they got so broy that by the end of it, every time he would meet one of these Maori stunt guys who he was really close to, they'd grab each other by the head and headbutt each other. And there's footage of <laughs> there's footage of him doing it at one of the premieres on the red carpet. He sees one of the the Maori blokes who's fucking massive, and they go up to each other and just smash heads, and it became this thing. And and he told one of them in the pub to do it to. Uh, um, Orlando Bloom, <laughs> who didn't didn't come off very Sir well. Ian, Sir Ian McKellen, <laughs> yes, yeah. Sir Ian. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, um, then they had to recast Gandalf all of a sudden. But Vigo basically <laughs> just becomes this myth. Yeah, like See, Ar- Aragorn he, was built way more of a contract. No, I was going to say well, it's, it's the same to the point uh, Luke's saying about he goes hundred um, percent quickly. I know 
the scene where uh, they're at the edge of Fangorn Forest and he kicks the helmet um, and Vigo actually broke his toe or his foot in yeah. that scene. Um, he thought that the helmet was a prop helmet, but it turned out to be full metal helmet. <laughs> so when he, in and it's the, the shot stays in and when he boots the helmet, um, it's be, and he's screaming because he just breaks yeah, his foot. Those are real tears. <laughs> Which is like, Shit. I guess you like, Great when you're stuff. really into the scene. Uh, and his scream like, in the performance is so good. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's going to be a plastic helmet, so I'm just going to go into it. And then... There was, Do you reckon uh, that was the, the, the revenge of the two guys um, in the basement? In the in the production offices that have to do the plastic um, chainmail. <laughs> What's it? Chain chainmail. Let's just plant a bowling ball really? on set. <laughs> We're gonna fuck one of them up. <laughs> uh, there were quite a lot of injuries on this. Another one was Orlando Bloom fell off his horse, and the the double for Gimli, who's obviously a, a shorter guy, landed on on him, and Orlando Bloom actually broke a rib. And then, like, Sean Astin Oof. stepped on a piece of glass. Like, there was a lot of injuries yeah. during shooting. It doesn't surprise me. It's like 15 months of just, mm. like, yeah. tearing in around. In the nature as well, in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, on, yeah. on location. Um, secluded yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Um, I think I, I, I really like that the, the threat to the world feels more real in this movie compared to the first one. Like, it feels like a, a way more big picture battle that needs to happen for the entirety of of middle earth rather than because in the first movie the people that are only involved is maybe 50 people you know there's there's obviously the the heads of all the the different races and then there's the the urukais maybe and that's kind of it and in this movie you really get a, a my opinion you get a good idea of the scale of this this is actually a war that involves every single race and person in in the world here yeah it's a well i think that the, the army of ten thousand does a lot for that mm. because yeah. you see them travel vast amounts of distances and they could and then in your head you're kind of going oh they could do that everywhere i guess and the the, the burning down of the village mm. you know like really um destroying innocent people and stuff like that it's um yeah, actually, you know, it's a really good um, point, actually, with the section with those two kids and there's the burning mm. of the of their town and then, like, they're the ones who kind of really bring home to Theoden because um, they get the horse to Rohan. Well, they're, like, an outer village, right, and they get the, they're on horseback and they finally arrive to, at Rohan and it's, like, they're the ones that kind of bring it home to him that, like, Sauron isn't a joke anymore. Um, and it's kind of like a little, uh, I guess you'd see my B story. And they finally find their mother uh, in Helm's Deep, is it? Mm, hang on. I, what, I, think the mother died. No. I think the mother died. The mother the... sends them away. We yeah. don't see yeah, her. She I think yeah, she, she didn't die. Yeah, but they find, they, yeah, she doesn't die. But they, they, oh, hang they, on. That they does find, ring a bell, actually. Her again. Is that the extended? I think she dies. I thought. It was, I think it's a, she's assumed dead. Oh, I'm not sure. When, when they're sent away. No, because she, she sends them away. But then, they honestly, 100%, they that, find no, that their mother again at Helm's Deep. Yeah, I think but that's... But it's just like, it's a nice little niche storyline. Matt, you watched Extended, kind of like, right? Yeah. 
Oh. Um, I, I think it's theatrical. Because the second half, I watched theatrical. Um, they all look the same. <laughs> oh, they all look alike. <laughs> but be, so so the, the two kids, they get sent away to... Did they get sent away to alert... The, the king. I think they just get sent away anyway. Uh, they just, they just, get, they just escape. So they just, they just, yeah, yeah, converge. And, then, and it's just like good timing that it's just after um, Saruman's magic has been released from Thaden. Um, and Thaden's kind of like on the edge of saying that, um, uh, who's the king? Who's the caretaker king? What? Hmm? Who's the other king? Who's the caretaker the king, of the king of the Gondor? Minas Tirith. Minas oh, Tirith. Denethor. Denethor. So Theoden's kind of like I can let out. He's not, they've never really helped us. Like, uh, why right. should we bother? Kind of thing. And then the same when these kids arrive, um, that it's like, why well, actually it's a real threat to all of us, not just the kings. Yeah. Involved. How good is the dialogue mm. in those scenes? By the way. This is, I think the dialogue in this film is so good. And it's very like, there are some great rap battle lines in this film. There's like, um, in- last I checked, it was Theoden of Rohan was king, not Aragorn of Gondor. And it's like, yeah. oh, shit. And also, oh, shit. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. It's just like, <laughs> that's, in, that's in the circle as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's so good. Yeah, I like that. There's a lot of good dialogue in this. Um, yeah. Can we talk about Wormtongue as well? Because I think Wormtongue's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, how did he get his? How did he get that job in the first place? Because his name is Wormtongue. What's his other <laughs> Grima. It's, his name is Grima Wormtongue, and I would like to be the <laughs> second in command to the king, if that's cool. Seems like a uh, dependable bloke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His resume checked out. Yeah. He's like, it's solid. Look, I'm, a, qu- I'm a quick learner. I know I've got a questionable persona, as it were. The color of my skin is somewhat unnatural. Yeah, it's medical. Um, I don't like to talk about it. But there is a green tint on the extended, which you yeah. know, doesn't help me. Yeah. Um, he stayed, so he, that guy's, he is an American and he stayed, he kept his English accent throughout the whole shoot. Um, mm. and he's, he's got an amazing English accent. It, he's a bit of a, a character, but, um, did he stay in character for 50 months? <laughs> he tried to <laughs> in character as Wormtongue. What would that look like? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mate. I will turn up to the shoot tomorrow. Just being sleazy around all the women yeah. is he so is is the story that he's he wants to be with arwen no eowyn no wait is yeah, it yeah, yeah okay so that's his his end game so this is what i was going to say is like you could easily have that character just be a a device to um spy with saruman right he could just be this bloke who's a mean character who's got nothing but bad bones in him, who, who goes and tattletales, basically. But the fact that mm. they put in the performance of him genuine... There's a genuine look between him and Eowyn at the... You know when he sort of creeps up on her in the night? Yeah. And there's a genuine, like, moment... And Pete, and Jackson talks about this in the, in the commentary where there is a glimmer of, you know, not them together, but, like, there is yeah, a connection she, she, there. Even she thinks yeah, yeah, yeah. there's even a look from her where she's like, "That's what I'm saying." Maybe she's very, very vulnerable, mm. right? She um, wants the worm tail. <laughs> 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 she wants that worm tongue boy. 
And uh, Matt, I'd get your opinion on it, but it's it's great <laughs> to have uh, a sort of antagonistic character have a genuine motive and you empathise yeah. with him. I guess because it, it builds him more as two-dimensional, that he's not just a spy, but that he's a man underneath it. Yeah. That if in a, it's almost like in another life, if he wasn't that guy, then there could be a connection then. Yeah, um, and you almost sort of go, oh, mm, he does. Oh, he, bless, he just fancies her. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's you, a crush. You, you think that if she like proper like went all in for, for him and was like, <laughs> he'd get a haircut, he'd like have a bath and he'd stop being a spy. <laughs> If they look past it, spy. He'd have to. She'd have to look past a lot, but yeah. <laughs> Grima, you've got to stop this spying shit. It's fucking weird. You keep running off to Saruman's castle and yeah. telling him about He's my dinners uncle. and everything. It's yeah. just annoying. Wait, is it uncle or is it? Is it? It's, it's not father, is it? Uncle is Th- Theoden's the uncle of oh Aowen, yeah. Of Aowen, yeah. yeah. Aowen. Um, there's one thing in the extended that i didn't know about aragorn and it made because the previous thing that used to uh, annoy me a little not annoy me but when he was on the edge of the forest and he saw the little um clues and he was able to piece together how Uh, pippin and mary got off and that's that's a major thing for him to find out and he kind of like just works out because he's aragorn but in this one you find you find out that he's like, isn't he, Luke? You probably know, like touched by a magic. He's from a line. I was going to talk about. Yeah, that. his family line. There's ask a bit about of magic this. in it, and he's eighty yeah. years old or something. Um, yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, he. What? One, he is the Asil. He's Asildor's heir, which has a certain um, uh, thing around that. But he's from the Dunedain people, which mm. are an elevated men race of men. Elevated men. Okay, They're not yeah. like. <laughs> They're not just your your average man. Like a master race. Like him and James Corden are not the same type of person. (laughs) Like, he's definitely better than James Corden. Yeah, yeah. It would make sense because he, after putting his head to a rock, uh, and can (laughs) listen to to where the orcs are. That's just Bluetooth, mate. From miles away, um, it kind of... Adds value to yeah, that. He keeps well, his ear to the ground. He does. Is is this is this also connected to his telepathic um, interaction with Ar- Arwen? See, this is another thing. Mm. Is he? It's not that scene, which I didn't know before. I never knew this before. But that scene apparently is a flashback, not like a dream. Um, yeah, they do. Uh, that's. They do point, you know, when he's like washed up on the riverbed, and they do the ki- and they do the first reformed kiss. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, yeah. that is like a vision, and you can decide for yourself whether it's a, a thing or not. But the 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 when they're when he's lying on the bed and they have their dialogue scene, mm-hmm. that's actually the night before the fellowship leave. I never knew that. Yeah, they mentioned and, it. Like, and there's yeah. a shot where you can see. Like Gimli in that lot getting ready in the background, mm. and Jackson in the, in the commentary was like, <laughs> uh, oh, "I just never got a really good shot of uh, the guys getting ready, and I probably should have because it's not very it's not very bloody clear, is it?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, <laughs> Pete, you fucking done me!" And I, I, that's, uh, it, yeah. I think that's what allows for Aaron and him to have their relationship. Let's get this right so wait, first. They though. don't who's, have a they don't have a telepathic relationship. Who's the blonde girl? What's Eowyn. her name? Eowyn. Eowyn. And then who's Liv Taylor? Arwen. Liv Arwen. Tyler also. 
Liv Tyler. <laughs> Liv Taylor. <laughs> confusing, confusing in reality and in the film. Yeah, Liv Taylor's not um, in it. Liv Tyler is. Uh, yeah, I actually Liv know. Schreiber. Liv Schreiber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Liv Schreiber and Vigo. Liv Schreiber. And Matt's wet dream. <laughs> Matt's like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duck down, Nick. <laughs> oh. Um I I think we probably need to touch upon this when we get into return. Um because I kind of I understood that flashback because she makes the decision to stay with her people, right? And that's what allows him to have his little fling with Aaron. Yeah, but he doesn't um, actually do it. No, but that like for me that's like well, they're just kind talking. Of, he's checking out the competition. Let, just chatting. They're just friends. But, but at this point, he's let go of his actual like true love. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's let go of her because he's. Um, no, I don't think he is. <laughs> no, but Jack, I, you're like, right. They you you sh- it allows for him to like have this. He's like well, of for good or bad, I've had to let go of the woman I actually love because of a higher power. Um, and this is where he's kind of like, well, you know, it's another one of the hot babe. Uh, he gives her a couple in of looks, middle earth. Yeah. And he's, he's thought, well, I deserve this actually, because I've nope. stabbed quite a lot of Yorikai and I'd like to stab her. Oh. <laughs> Gimli knows, well done. Gimli, Gimli notices as well though, because he immediately tells Eowyn that Arag- Aragon is missing right so he's picking up on yeah. the vibe as well <laughs> yeah 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 That's but then way, but this is why i don't this is the other <laughs> thing and this it might be in return but i love that um when when does when does he decide that he is in love with Liv schreiber oh my god <laughs> when does he decide he's in love with her no so basically she Aragorn does somewhat let go of her. Yeah, you're right. Because um, Elrond has basically made him let her go and say, right, yeah. she needs to go to the Undying Lands. And she, yeah. so she's actually supposed to like get away, which means they're never going to see each other again. And I really love the scene where he explains what will happen if she does stay. That's mm. pretty haunting. Like that, The idea yeah, of her just wandering around grave. forever is... is yeah. yeah, the imagery is pretty powerful. Um and then the, the way the writers talk about it is it wasn't really supposed to be a love triangle. And one of them actually really disagreed with the, you know, when he, uh, what is it? The, the when soup. They're, they're, he, no, not the soup, but the other one. <laughs> there's another scene just like that when they're in convoy to uh, Helm's Deep. There's one where they're asks, talking and that's when he flashes back to get, on the bed. Yes. He asked yeah. where he gets the medallion from. And even one of the writers yeah. is like, we kind of went too far with that. It's too flirty. Like we didn't want it to be that much of a love, love triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So I, yeah, I mean, but, take but from what that was what her, you will. But what was her function then? Because, yeah, because you could make her, because from the off, she was almost set up as like a potential romance. Where, where did they first meet in this, in the, uh, well, she was checking him out when he come in. Um, it's definitely a thing. When he arrives in uh, Rohan. Yeah. Like instantly she's like, whoa. Like, so they were set oh, up, they were going for something. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a piece of him. But it's, it's, and then it, it's like, to be honest, I think what they were trying to say is that, is that Aragorn was in on it, but it's supposed to be a bit more of an unrequited love thing. Uh, because um, in the third one, he says, 
I cannot offer you what you seek. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, strings he are does, awful. I mean, for one I'm not. Film, though, yeah, it is true. Yeah, he does, he's he a, does a bit. Player, really. He does a bit. And this um, is my other but point. Still, so, still a good guy, and you know, headbutts people and stuff. So. <laughs> does Alan? Owen. Liv Tyler. Christ oh, Owen. Does she does does she pass on her uh mortality, immortality to save Aragorn after he's jumped off the cliff? Not jumped. I'm always a bit confused about this. Okay. Anything in Rivendale I immediately shut off when I, they're talking there. I just Because this is this is what I took from it was that he, Right over my head. He is he potentially does die when um He's taken off the cliff by the wolf thing. Uh, what does that guy say? He took oh, a little um, tumble off the tumble, cliff. A good tumble off the cliff. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something there. And we'll get into it. And for me, he actually like dies there, and it's and it's she. She does her whole um, first reform thing and yeah. passes her immortality on to save him. Yes. But I'm not sure. I don't get this because it is canon that they obviously get married after the third one. He eventually dies and she lives on. So it's confirmed that that doesn't actually happen. So then I, it is confusing because I don't know how he comes back to life or I, Wait, I'm, like, don't, what, what, I'm, no, wait, what, what do you mean? It's just that, the, the, the telepathic connection between them. This is like her, Awakening him up, the kiss of life. No, but but, that's why I thought. Yeah, but the idea is that she's passed on the even star, and and is it which is a symbol of her immortality to to Aragorn, which is what Jack's saying, which is what I always got. The what? You know the the necklace. That's supposed to be. I think that's supposed to be a symbol of what I always understood it as a symbol of her immortality, and she saves him by giving him that immortality. No, no, but doesn't and that's how she that's how she like transfers it right. right. It's like that's he's I died thought, at this anyway. point. He goes off the cliff. He has a piece of her what? around his neck, uh, and she's she's aware because she's an elf. He's dead, <laughs> and she's like, "Well, I love him actually, so I'm going to give up my immortality through this necklace to save him." No, because he, he's left it at the top, but he doesn't have the necklace. Yeah, the, the guy grabbed it off him and oh, gave it to Legolas. And Legolas yeah, yeah. Oh, imagine, right. imagine the um, the right. orc is then all of a sudden immortal. Yeah, I thought it was just a vision <laughs> of of like, <laughs> oh fuck, <laughs> oh fuck. I thought it was the send a thank you letter to Owen. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm getting a bit bored of this oh, now. <laughs> It, there is the hours are terrible. Blood, there's blood stuck in my throat for eternity. I had cancer about 500 years ago and it just never finished me off. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, this fucking necklace in the drawer. He's get rid of me. It's like the end of the fly. Yeah. <laughs> he does a Bilbo. Welcome to my 200 millionth birthday. <laughs> Jack, I'm on your team. She's not giving it. I, I, that's what I always thought, but I think I'm still confused by it. But yeah, Yeah. it's it's not clear, is it? No, it's not clear. Um, I think this is why I thought they just elves. Obviously, they amongst them, they always communicate with each other, and she kind of imprinted on him, kind of, because they're in this relationship, so she can. Like he can hear her, but he can't speak to her or something like that. And in that moment, 
she felt that he needed her telepathically. Mm. And it'll pick me, was pick there. me up. So, I mean, it, it comes, yeah, it comes down to the same. I think thing, that's I a much better explanation. The The trouble is, I think the com- this whole confusion comes from the scene in Fellowship where she goes, this is my gift to give. I remember when, when Jack, do you remember when he, he she puts the necklace in his hand? Yeah, yeah. And he goes, you can't have this. Yeah. And she goes, no, it's my gift to give. So I always thought that that was the immortality thing, but yeah. obviously... Yeah. But, I but just, it's just a gift. It. Yeah. It's loose. Our runs, our runs a bit loose. Just a with it all. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, doesn't Galandriel give something to Frodo very similar as well? Yeah, that's, yeah, the, that's the light that's thingy. Not, that's just a torch. That's the, that's the light bulb. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I briefly confused those two. Because it's a very similar looking thing isn't it mm. well like they're all these i mean they're elves so more, they can only do so many designs really right well so she, yeah like but that one's more of a a uh, eau de toilette bottle <laughs> and the the other one is more of a, a pendant if you will mm, yeah isn't galadriel well a wood elf as well and uh, oh mate no live shride as a different type of elf no, I think that it, no. Did you know? Actually, this is really interesting. <laughs> that um, hold on, my ears are perked up. Uh, Arwen is re- is very directly related to Galadriel. Galadriel is like her grandmother or something. That is really. It's pretty mad. <laughs> it's pretty mad. That's crazy. I can't believe I went. You know, twenty seven years without knowing it. Well, thirty seven, mm. Jack. I don't know. Um, <laughs> quick math um, what else can we get to here um, I'd, I mean I'd, you guys have a gripe. Just, just other f- oh come on then Matt oh. come on I, I, in the first one I really enjoyed the uh, Urukai and their their mystique there were these mm. evil things from the ground and in <laughs> in this one they're like builders they're <laughs> mass produced look like looks yeah. like meat's back on a menu oh, boys <laughs> And it just, it takes me out of it a bit. I preferred when they were silent and then they were grunting and they were these weird animal things, but you can, because you mm. print, imprint loads of like cultural things that you know about that. No, that what about their legs? Yeah. They don't need their I legs guess, or what? Oh, I do love that scene though. I mean, it's a good yeah, scene. It, it, it's like pros and cons, but like ultimately I like, no, I get I like them. I like them quiet. It is like, I'll have the usual, Barbara. Hold the black pudding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, what do they say as well that it's when they rest as well we haven't we haven't drank in three days he goes, but we haven't like, had hey. nothing but maggoty bread for fruit stinking <laughs> day yeah why can't we have some meat <laughs> it like it does take away their um uh resilience i get that yeah the um like, andy circus voiced was, both of those was, guys didn't he really of course yeah he did. There's a very like funny kind of independent uh, filmmaking spirit to the whole production because when on the, in the commentary, Pete will just be like, "Oh yeah, we just uh, just got Andy to do those two. He's just like very du- he doesn't give a shit. And like, there's a couple of shots, you know, where Gandalf turns up at the end on the on top of the hill, and there's a Ste- reaction steepest hill ever. Yeah, there's a reaction shot to Aragorn <laughs> oh, looking so up. Steep. And Pete's oh, just yeah. like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get that. wasn't there. We just took that shot from like years before, and like cut him out and just put him against the background of Helm's Deep. There's so much like bodgery 
in this mm. film you wouldn't believe. John Bodery. Like, a lot of stuff, which mm. I actually like because they, they brought that sort of uh, bootstrappy kind of spirit to the big screen. I think that they, mm. it made a lot of things better because they were able to redo things and insert things and, without being too precious, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> It's interesting. Jack and I were talking about that today. Um, that one scene where just before they discover or they get discovered by the riders of Rohan or the Rohan riders, um, they there's that scene where where Legolas looks into the sky and he says, "Luke," he says, "The rises. Blood has been spilled this night." Oh, yeah, exactly. Mate, you need to get and <laughs> and the. <laughs> And the entire background is, you know, the sky is like <laughs> blood red. Um, yeah. And then within like two or three cuts, the they're, they're, it's basically noon. And the, the entire atmosphere is just like, it's now a normal day. And you can, it, it's in a way, it's kind of charming almost because you understand that they were like, right, we have to get these shots today. We have like 50 blokes on horses over here. Mm. We need to get these shots done. We don't have time to do it tomorrow. We can't replace it later on. We need to... And it's no, it's, there, there, there are no big changes. There are no, nothing that takes you out, really. But they're just slight inc- inconsistencies that yeah. you only... You, you wouldn't get that nowadays, no. really. Because it would just be, be comped out. And it kind of gives it a certain amount of charm, yeah, I think. Yeah. That, I think it's a lot In to a do way. with it. And... They they're not shy about telling you either. They they love it. The they like giggle about it. Like in the commentary, they're like, "Oh, we we flipped this shot." You can see that his necklace is the wrong way round. It looks fucking ridiculous. They're almost like negging their own film. Is 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 quite cool. And they're like, because they made a billion yeah, dollars well, with exactly. it. <laughs> but they're like almost they almost like rub their hands together. Like, oh, the fans will yeah, see yeah. this on Reddit and they'll have a ball with this one. They'll be rinsing me at mid in midnight on Twitter. And it's just they don't they don't mind that sort of, as I said, that sort of bodgery, which is is yeah. charming. Um, yeah. One other thing I thought was funny is um, the when they do the exorcism on on Theoden, yeah. and um, like Saruman flies back in his in his lair. Mm. It just reminded me of like the first movie where everybody's like just swishing around in that lair, and it's like, <laughs> dude, those floors are insanely slippery, bro. I really like that cut. I don't know why. Yeah, it's a cool cut, isn't it? It's good energy yeah, in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I do like. Yeah. Go on, Matt. Is that implied that he's there the whole time? When, because what he was standing by the ball in Jack's thing, and he got flown back from it. So, so did he have to come to the body of wherever? Let's say he got a distress signal on the ball that said, "Oh, that your power over the king." I like this thinking. Notification. <laughs> yeah, like the power of the king is being taken, so <laughs> you king. need to go and fight it. Is yeah. that why he was there? He can't always be there, can he? No, he's not. I or think Thaden no. is under this under this sort of grey mist all the time, and then he gets a push notification and goes around. Trots down to the ball. Oh, what have I got? Oh, it's just an Uber Eats. Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, I gave you a tip. Just, just stuff like that. <laughs> just things that come up, you know. Um, I was going to say about the Urukai though that I did like is 
they took a lot from the the shoot in fellowship where you know where they're being born out of the little sacks mm-hmm. and they're sort of bursting out i love the orc that checks him they goes eh. it's like yeah, so face around yeah i i always found that scary as shit as a kid mm. because they're the that orc especially who turns up later in you know outside Fangorn Forest in the mm-hmm. in the night and they chop someone's head off. But I, I just found that that whole community and that like frictious, very violent, very volatile atmosphere. I, I could almost place myself there watching it as a kid and thinking mm-hmm. how fucking scary it would be to be Merry and Pippin in that situation. Yeah. Because I do find mm-hmm. them like socially just fucking frightening. Like yeah. in in that like scene, what would it be like to be there? Like we've right. been in situations probably where it's not obviously like that, but there's yeah. just like in the air, there's like something, and you know it can. There's loads of people here that are like quite rough, mm. and it's like and, yeah. being at a train Drinks station on your own, and just yeah. like yeah, a bunch yeah. of dudes are just like hanging out the other side, and it's just you and and like twenty other people. It's just mm. that like yeah. sort of not peer pressurey, but like that kind of tense atmosphere. And I found that in that scene where he checks him out um, because they're just so rough with each other. It's like no social etiquette is performed by these guys. Mm-hmm. And then, and then mm. obviously at the outside of Fangorn Forest, I really love that scene where everything just is chaotic and not even, not even evil guys together can, yeah. can have order. Like they're even, even they're at stake. And when the yeah. guy's head gets chopped off, I'm just like, oh shit! That that scene really shook me as a kid. And it, and it, it's mm. frightening that they they can go from they've been hiking with each other for months or however long, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and then uh, one shared of them, a bed. yeah, shared a bed, spoken the whole time, and then upon mention of they're going to have a battle, like the Urukai guy says, "Oh, we we meets back on the menu, so yeah. like we're going to eat these people." Yeah. And they doesn't even, and everyone cheers about it. And yeah, they've just been hanging out with them for. I love that scene for a long time. So like, much anti-human. Yeah, that's really that's really yeah. It's that, like the, that's what frightened me that bit. And the, sure. the and it's like a birthing machinery. Yeah. The, the scene downstairs there. Mm. It's like that's the least human way to get mm. out of like and filth and the birth bubble. Yeah, <laughs> and being quality checked. Yeah. It's like a conveyor belt of of. Evil. It's like yeah, it's like b- it's very good. born through hate in dirt, and like, you can't really get mm. any any worse than that. There's a, there's another really yeah. good scene in Return of the King, um, which is even more of that tense atmosphere. You know when uh, Frodo gets captured after the spider, and he's all wrapped up, mm-hmm. and those orcs have taken his shit, and they start fighting over the mithril. Mm-hmm. That is that amped up again. And when Sam mm. goes up and confronts them, and like, oh yeah, because you get a window in their little society. Is that when oh, he goes up the, yeah, the staircase? It's so good. Yeah, because the guy fly kicks him out the window, and you track that, and you see the guy plummet to the ground, and then mm. they all come up. It's oh man, it's not the rowdiest pub ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke, why when when Frodo falls into the the stinky bog, why does he see the the, the ghosts inside he's not he's not wearing the ring at that point is he yeah but yeah I he thought, is he's always wearing it. is he yeah oh, oh but not on no his... i mean like he's not slipping. oh right no 
I think that's because the spirits like the, from the, the Nazgul, right? No, 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 no they're, 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 they're spirits. They're the guys from the in the next people. film because the, the the green guys are in the next one, aren't they? The undead army. Yeah, I mean they they look like they, they them, look exactly the same. I, I think the essence of what they are is is the dead people residing in that. But what does it mean? Yeah, but they're just spirits. Why does he see them? I, I, I think they're seeding yeah, the undead does he army see for them? the next film. Mm. Undead Army are a different different breed because they get sealed in there by a seal door many, many years before. Oh, so they're... I was going to say, this is years. They're, in, they're in that specific cave. I just think they that... They look that, exactly the same. I don't... I know, Sorry, they, they do look the same, but if you think Shit. about it, spirits would look similar, just like, he, <laughs> like people would look similar, wouldn't they? Like, <laughs> if you were to... If you were to physicalize them on screen, yeah, true, they wouldn't. I'd just make them blue instead of they wouldn't green or look. Well, I was just about yeah, to say they I, wouldn't be blue no, instead of green, that. and then the next one would be green. Like, what do you do? Choose a color when you go up. <laughs> I get that, but what about that scene? Makes Frodo's like, why are they visible to him? They're not visible to anybody else. I think it's why. Are oh, what, are you talking about the, the floating him? bodies or the the actual ghostly apparitions? It's, it's when he goes in the water, right? Uh, either one, mate. Either the one ghostly will apparitions. Do. I, I think Sam sees the floating bodies, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, but not the eyes open with the. I think I. It's like they try. That's a great music cue, by the way. It's like it's like when he's in the water. It's like they're trying to pull him down to the depths. Hmm. But yeah, I didn't know. Why I, does yeah, he I don't, see them? I don't know. <laughs> it's a fantasy just shit. It's just a bit of fantasy shit. He doesn't see shit. any other I, dead I, I It's think. just some so, more scary stuff. So yeah. that, that battle was, was for when? I'm not satisfied with this answer. That I'll battle is the one answer. you see in the, the prologue. Yeah. The so, so, the so that battle, all those people died from, and it was the, the whole war was about Sauron. Yeah. So his spirit resides. I get it now. Yeah, his spirit resides in the dead there. And so it draws him in. So in an abstract yeah, way, maybe, they were craving oh, okay. the ring. That's, mm. that's good. Yeah. yeah, we'll take that. They're craving the ring or <laughs> we'll his that. spirit is there okay. in the depths. I like that. We'll take that. <laughs> that's mm. now canon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Added to the Lord of the Rings wiki. Oh, I'll let Reddit know. Yeah. I'm sure they'll be delighted. <laughs> you might get, some, back, you might get some background checks, Matt. <laughs> oh, God. Hopefully You'll have some not. very long-haired people at your, at your door. <laughs> Just Man, follow them are, you, are you Matt Flack? <laughs> Did you come up with a theory that Sauron's still residing in the Dead Marshes from the from the Battle of the Last Alliances? We've come from afar. I'm sorry, but that's just not. We've canon. been traveling for days and days. Uh, amazing. Um, anybody got anything else? Anything to add? Uh, scores great again. How would, how would Shaw does another good job? Uh, yeah. Oh, Jack, ask your question about how. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> about us not understanding how maybe. Yeah, you. I don't know. I don't know if it's too late, but I'll ask it anyway. No, mate, go for it. Oh, okay, indeed. Check it out this. there. Um, and this is out of my own ignorance and naivety uh, on how people are commissioned for scores, but how how. How do someone like Howard Shaw, how are they commissioned for a film like this? Are they commissioned once the film is done and they get someone to come in uh, and score the whole film? Or is it like uh, on a day rate and then the rights at the end? 
Um, I think it varies. I have no idea. Because I think it's the relationship I, composer and director. Yeah, because I was thinking back to The Fly, uh, and obviously Howard Shaw does The Fly as well, but in The Fly there's... Iconic soundtrack. Iconic soundtrack, which everyone is now aware of because of the Matt was creaming over that oh, soundtrack. In the armrestle, there's nothing in like the it. In the armrestle. <laughs> Look back <laughs> at that scene. <laughs> Nick, when you said like that. It. Nothing on this earth. There's nothing like that scene. But it, like, it, uh, there's not that much bits in terms of music for for the fly, right? I know it's completely right, different, but so uh, I like the fly. Uh, well, it's just after the after picture lock, isn't it? Is that? Is yeah. I have no idea. I, I didn't so. even have no, no it can, idea. It can be anything. There's. I forget what one it was. I think it was a ref in, or no, it was. I believe Interstellar. Uh, one of them it was a Nolan mm. um, Zimmer partnership it was the the concept I think he went to him with the concept or the script very 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 early and asked him to come up with something yeah um, I think it really I, depends I think if you've if you've got the money you could probably do that earlier and just come yeah. up with like things you think will work and then uh, projects with less money will go right we've we've got picture lock this is as mu- as many minutes as we need music now do it to sort of okay. decrease that but yeah because, i think yeah, it does it go did, on yeah i guess yeah. That, that he's probably involved like you said then from the start because it's just so like well connected yeah I, like the score is so in line with the film it fits mm. everything perfectly like yeah and, just, and like iconic just, themes and you know without looking you know the the characters that are on screen and where what location yeah. you're in yeah the rohan theme is great isn't it yeah yeah Really, everything's so distinct Whenever between that Frodo each world. Theme or the Shire theme comes. You're like, oh, yeah, they're so far away from home. Yeah, mm. poor guys. Like in the end, the end scene, gave me, give me the tears this time yeah. a little bit. It's a good one. When he talks about storytellers mm. and stuff like that, you're like, mm. so good. So, uh, the bit that <clears throat> really got me this time was the scene behind me now, the funeral. When oh, he yeah. cries, mate. Oh my god, mm-hmm. Fairden! Like Bernard Hill smashes this. Yeah, yeah. and he talks mm-hmm. that there's in the cast commentary. He was saying how on the day Jackson would come in for came in for his close up on that, and would and would say like we need we need tears and all this and sort of set him up for this emotional scene, and then on on wider shot wider coverage of that same scene, he was like, we want. I want you to physically grieve. Like, which is why he sort of bounces up and down with the tears. Like he really goes for it. And mm. I, and, and, uh, Bernard Hill was saying, I thought it was, you know, a little bit much. Didn't really see how that was going to work. And then when he watched it back, he was like, that guy really knows what he's doing. Like that really put across mm. the amount of grief going on there, mm. which is great. And the, the line, no parent should have to bury their child was, from Bernard Hill's experience and a mother whose, I think, son or daughter was killed in an Irish terrorist attack back in the day, told him the story and of of her kid dying and said that line to Theoden, uh, to, not to Theoden, <laughs> in character, <laughs> to Bernard Hill, and he kept it with him and then, and then regurgitated it on this set, which is amazing. Mm. Um... But yeah, I think I think oh, oh, sorry, Interstellar. It. So deep. Who is? Mm. Oh, no, that line. So say. 
It's also an interstellar Nick. Is it? What what bit? Nick? Is it? What? It's an interstellar Wait, no, that when line isn't interstellar. He's when yeah, it's when mm. she's in the bed as an eighty year old woman, she's like, No parents have to bury their child. She's like, Go. Mm. Different film, different tangent. Yeah, but does she shake with tears? Nick, you I watched know, it the I, other day like I me. Know the scene. I don't have the line. I know the scene. Yeah. She's like she says to does him Does she say exactly that? She says she says to him, No parent should have to bury their child. Well, Is it bury or like, watch their child die? I thought it was watch their child die. Oh watch their child die. It's bloody lifted, Sorry, it's isn't not, it? It's not it's not word by word. Pickpocket. There's the, the no, sense it's, it's a good reference there. though. Yeah, the there. Yeah. Anyway. And that really makes me cry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did. I, I did I, cry. Interstellar, mate. I can. I can like a baby. Un, unleash mm. some 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 hidden some buried stuff. Can we please get down. some uh, a tear reel from Nick for the pod? I really want that. <laughs> for I've maybe the outro just <laughs> snuffling, just real blubbering right. and snuffling. Right. I, I I can rewatch Interstellar on the weekend. And then Leone going shh. Do a little recording. <laughs> yes. Nick, shut up. Shh. It's only just started. <laughs> God's sake. Uh, it's the opening shots of the house already. Yeah, it's the, I'm just it's like, the driving it's away so from epic. the house and the countdown starts before he's even left the driveway fully. The way that scene is oh. cut together and it ties together with the music is incredible. That's, yeah. And tying that back to Lord of the Rings yeah, is quite similar here where the music uh, is tied in nicely with the scene uh with the music and the scene the music and how well it's done all. well done for bringing us back nice. to middle earth jack not down nice i did appreciate back. i did appreciate the map was there a map in the first one of, of like the geography of like gondor and Helmsteep. Uh, i thought the same thing that, actually time that was it. like i was happy with that i was like looking I, around i found that it. scene quite comical though because they're like it's obviously a second unit or something, but it's so obvious that they're like Helm's deep right mm. here. And I was like, okay, thank you. And genuinely. He's here. <laughs> yeah. Mordor is right here. I mean it's, it's needed all though, isn't come it? Together. Mm. It is needed. Yeah. Things are too. Yeah. I'll tell you what maybe is a is a was a little strained was when um when they first met Gandalf as the white wizard. And they were on the edge looking at like the fires in the distance. And there was like a real hefty chunk of exposition where, where he's talking about, um, maybe we can even get into it. So, so Sauron, so the whole idea of Frodo going to destroy the ring, Sauron won't suspect the, the fact that it was a hobbit. Is that, is that correct? Mm. Like they said, even, even in the, they're, they're so evil, but even they're not going, going to think that a hobbit is going to it's going to walk right into right. Mordor and uh, destroy the ring. Is that right? Uh, potentially, I don't remember exactly. I do remember. I know the scene you're on about. Yeah. I don't know exactly what he says. I also know that uh, the writers were laughing about on the commentary the fact that Gandalf can just lay exposition like nothing and make it look lot. effortless. <laughs> there was and so they, much there. they were basically yeah. saying that anytime they needed to get across what the film was about, they would just give Ian McKellen like 
reams yeah. of dialogue and he would just make it look so easy where you didn't really realise he was just telling you what the film was about. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you're probably right. A bit heavy-handed, but... Uh, I just think that in such in like such a world of depth and not everyone mm. know everyone's got different understandings of the geography and the worlds. You need stuff like the map thing, mm. and you need certain reminders from. And I think Gandalf's an acceptable exposition giver because he's yeah. he's supposed to be a bit uh, omnipresent. And sort of, yeah, yeah you know. So, um, so mm. I've <laughs> I've completely did you know sort of defended that. Yeah. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> what, what what about what he says about the about Frodo because I thought it was is it not knowledge to 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 Sauron or any of of his army that Frodo has the ring. Uh what do you mean it's they've, knowledge? Because they because they've seen it they've seen him with the ring. They know he's leaving the Shire and every time they bump into him he's closer and closer to Mount Doom. Yeah. And so how could Sauron not suspect that Frodo's coming to Mount Doom? I don't think Sauron knows Frodo has it. Um, well, Even he does say the... his eyes on me and stuff like that. I, I do. I mean, they are needing to hide. Like, then they yeah. can't get caught. If they get caught, they're fucked. Yeah. But, but I think that basically the prevailing knowledge out there is that a halfling has the ring. A hobbit has the ring. Not which is why. To, not that he's going to destroy it. Uh, well, I don't know, but which is why Merry and Pippin get captured by the Uruks, because if they didn't think that they had the ring, they would just kill them. But they, yeah. they're they bringing them back to Sauron, Saruman unspoilt because, you know, they're just one of the halflings who might have the ring. Hmm. Yeah, so, and I'm just firing questions at you again. But it, if, why can't they kill, because that was a thing, something that cropped up, why can't they kill someone that holds the ring? If Frodo has the ring, or or the the hobbits have the ring, uh, mm. sorry, uh, Pippin and Merry has the ring. Why can't they just kill them yeah, and search know. them for the ring? I guess because you wouldn't give because a ring to an Uruk. They haven't got that power. It's like sending. It's like management, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, because don't they, do they, it yourself. Just really bring know. it to me, and I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Saruman doesn't want to give Lurts the the ring, otherwise. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would, what that would look like. <laughs> what that world would look like. <laughs> that would be mental. Should we rate? Yeah, let's let's do it. All right. Well, let's start, oh. Matt. Let's start with you. I want to I want to go with three point five on this one. Um, right. Yeah, I, I and mean, because I gave Fellowship a four, and I enjoyed Fellowship more than this one. Jack. Oh, shit. Yeah. I have to go for a four. Uh, it was a, it was close from a three and a half, and I think it's only the the battle in the end uh, and the camaraderie and the rain on the, <coughs> on the on the armor which brings it to a four. But yeah, right. Four could have been a three and a half, but a four. Three and a half. Wow. Okay, Luke. So, just for this trilogy. I refuse to rate them individually because like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and my arms are crossed in this rings because they are one film and this has a lot of the elements that I like of the trilogy um, so I give them all a five 
Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of in a, um, in a similar situation as Matt is. <laughs> what you gonna say? I me? last. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, last week I gave it fellowship four and a half, um, under the impression I would definitely prefer this. I movie. expected that as well. No, you can always go back and change and it. I, no, it's all right. Now. And I, yeah, I think I think I didn't. Yeah, it's fine. I think I did enjoy this this movie more, but not like a five. You know, because a five is like ultimate pleasure, right? Wow. So I'm giving I'm going four and a half on this one as well. Bar humbug. Which is. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get on a scale of one to? One to ten, how excited everybody is to, to watch Return of the King on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> no, because we got we got Christmas movie lined uh, up afterwards. I'm not excited at showing the. Do we? Yet. Do we have the Christmas movie confirmed? No, we we no, we need to oh, vote on it. So, are we doing extended for Return? No. Okay. 